Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show, the trade deadline. It's one week out, so do we expect the Cardinals to do anything? We know Marcus Golden is on his way. For fans not familiar with Buda Baker, they are now, and how can they not be? We give Buda a new nickname for how well he's played the past two games. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 340, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grigalou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side, defense caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown! Here's Craig Grigalou and Mike Jarecki. So, one week from today, a pretty big deal. November 3rd. Okay, I'm not talking about that. It is the trade deadline in the National Football League, MJ. We haven't really discussed a lot about it, but November 3rd, the trade deadline. I know the Cardinals have already made one move with Marcus Golden. We'll get into that. But as we sit here on this Tuesday, October 27th, knowing what we know through the first seven games, the Cardinals trying to get healthy this week during their bye week, Anticipate this team doing anything here over the next week before that window closes? Well, I mean, they're always listening. I mean, and the thing is, though, part of the DeAndre Hopkins trade, the Cardinals gave up a fourth-round pick next year, and they would sign up for that and do it ten times twice. And then you give up a six-round pick for Marcus Golden. So they value draft picks. So I'm sure they're listening, but – you know, if you're trying to go out and get a position, you would think it'd be D-line. We don't know the availability of some of those guys. Um, but going out and getting Marcus Golden, um, you know, uh, you add him to the pass rush they have on the roster. You throw him with Kennard and Reddick, and you, you throw in Golden, and then you're curious to see how Kylie Fitz is going to be in the equation and Dennis Gardak. I, I don't know where your need would be. Um, obviously, losing Chandler Jones, and they were able to make the trade with the Giants. So... I know they value draft picks, um, and last year I don't think the Cardinals would have made a trade. And knowing that, you know, they're five and two before the deadline, they felt like they needed to add a player. Last year they added Kenyon Drake based on an injury. This year they add a player based on an injury who they're familiar with. So, you know, you don't want to rule it out. I know they're listening, but I just think they value those draft picks. And don't forget that the practice squad I think plays a factor in this as well. Remember, it's an expanded practice squad it is up to 16 players if a team so chooses and then each week teams are able to protect four players or as many as four players and when you look at defensive line Michael Dogby was the protected practice squad player this past week maybe he's an option if you're looking for defensive line when it comes to the secondary a lot was made with Prince Amukamara signing to the practice squad he's an option if you're looking to increase or perhaps if Drake Kirkpatrick continues to have the issues that he's having not only on the field with respect to coverage but he's been banged up a little bit as well and then of course pass rush I think we addressed that with Marcus Golden and then you look offensively I mean offensive line knock on wood that's healthy that's pretty solid I know there was some initial conversation amongst the fan base immediately after the news that Kenyon Drake was hurt maybe they make a move with running back I just think right now not knowing officially what's wrong with Kenyon Drake or how much he will miss, 
you got to look internally first before you go outside the organization. Yeah, and in in you know any offensive player, it'd be difficult because of the the system, and you have to be in shape. And the fact that Marcus Golden, yes, he hasn't played under Vance Joseph, but he did play under Todd Bowles and he played under James Betcher, and that was probably one of the reasons why he went to New York. He had ten sacks his first year there, and then he had a sack and a half on Thursday Night Football. So offensively, it would be difficult to bring in a guy on the fly. Defense, you know, considering he's played in a 3-4, now sometimes terminology and vocabulary are a little bit different. Um, But when you rush the passer, there's the quarterback. I mean, there's more assignments. You can't over-pursue. you got to know your assignments if somebody else is going to clean up the play with tackle for losses. But it's not like Marcus Golden's going to come in here and play 60 snaps a game. He's going to be a situational pass rusher, like you made reference on, on Dennis Gardick and other forms where, you know, he's coming in the game on 2nd and 11 and 3rd and 12. Um, and so th- they'll have a nice rotation, but they definitely have upgraded. Nothing against Gardick and Fitz. They just don't have the experience of a Marcus Golden. Chandler Jones never came off the field. And to a certain extent, you can make the same case with Devon Kennard, although he has been part of that rotation as well. But if you do a rotation like you do on the defensive line, you keep everyone fresh, and then there are certain – down in distances in which you want a Dennis Gardeck on the field because he'll go straight ahead rush the quarterback as opposed to maybe a Devon Kennard on first down who sets the edge. Right. And you're trying to figure out all these different pieces. Different skill sets. If you're a defensive coordinator, Vance Joseph, and with respects to Marcus Golden, I think he can actually do both as far as rush the quarterback and help set the edge. So now you're looking at a top three of Hassan Reddick, Devon Kennard, and Marcus Golden, to your point. And I think that's... Yes, they're always looking, they're always paying attention, but I think this roster right now, and watch something will happen in the next 24 hours and we'll be all wrong, I think this roster is set right now when it comes to your active roster, guys that are on injured reserve and might soon be returning, i.e. Jalen Thompson, and then guys that are on your practice squad that you like and have been a part of your offense and defense respectively. Now, if Steve feels like there's a deal that crosses his table and he can somehow get a 2021 pick or 2022 I mean, again, you value first, second, and third round picks. It's not like you want to give away, you know, you're willing to go a fifth. But I just don't see them offering because we just talked about they they gave up a four for Hopkins and a a six for Golden. They don't have any compensatory picks coming in. Now the Cardinals have done a good job in free agency, plug and play guys, but um, they value that. But if if somebody's willing to maybe go to 2022 and you think this guy can help you right away, I I wouldn't rule it out. But I think where they are right now, they feel like the roster they have today, they can compete and try to get to the postseason. You a fan of Peter King, Football Morning in America? I am. I read it every week, and I found this note interesting. Is he still writing, though? Because it just goes on and on. <laughs> but he is he he's the tool when it comes to the money, money, money morning quarterback. He had this item in this past week's column with respect to the trade deadline. He writes, the trade deadline is November 3rd, but if a team wants a player to get in a full week of work and be available to play in week nine, the deadline is really October 29th, this Thursday as in two days from now. And King continues, that would give a hustling team time to get the player his five consecutive daily COVID tests and be with the new team for a full practice week before the game in week nine. 
And that's the end of his paragraph. That's the key here, the five consecutive daily COVID tests. That's part of the reason why Marcus Golden was unavailable for Sunday night football. And, of course, you can't play two games in the same week. Yet I think teams have to play this into consideration. If you wait till November 3rd, then they're not going to be available until week 11. If you get them in this week, then they'll be available for week 9. And I think that might play a little factor. There might be some activity. I'm not talking about the Cardinals in in particular, but there might be a little bit more activity ahead of the official trade deadline. Well, I mean, you look at some teams and, you know, they're looking at, you know, we know the Patriots value draft picks. Um, You know, I don't know if they're going to do – they had eight guys opt out. But I think what you brought up earlier, and I hadn't thought about that, having that 16-man practice squad, and you got veterans on there. It's not like you're undrafted free agents and you're hoping this guy pans out in the next year. You have veterans on there, so if you have an injury, you can you can go in house. Um, but again, I, I think there are, every GM's listening now. There was a report about Quentin Williams, and you know there was a report from Manish Mehta saying he was on the trade block. And and to me, if you're Joe Douglas, you're the GM there. You're trying to. Um, stockpile assets when it comes to draft picks so is he on the trade block i don't know but i think they would listen yeah and i think you have to yeah you, you have to do your due diligence and it, that's what every general manager and, does. And, and there comes a time where who's untouchable well on that jets roster i mean who was their best player jameson crowder i mean i'm serious i mean it's just he, he now quentin williams is a high pick i mean he was in the conversation for the cardinals and, and there were people in the valley that thought they should have taken quentin williams over nick bosa yeah, someone with that interior presence that can wreck a defense a la an Aaron Donald. Everyone's looking for the next Aaron Donald. But I he, don't know he's going to cost you a two. Yeah. I mean, and it's it's he was the third overall pick in the draft, and here we are a couple of years later. And, again, do I think they're shopping him? I don't know. But I know that if the phone rings and they get the right deal, they would consider it. Now, the Cardinals do have Marcus Golden headed their way, and he'll be on the practice field next week when the team comes off its bye week. We haven't heard from Marcus Golden. We really haven't heard much from the Cardinals in general about Marcus Golden, but Golden did go on social media on Sunday morning, and this kind of got lost in the shuffle because of, well, Sunday night football and then the big win over the Seahawks. But this is what Marcus Golden tweeted out, quote, Thank you to the New York Giants organization, my teammates, and the Giants fans. I enjoyed my time here playing at MetLife Stadium and will never forget my experience here. Super excited to be heading back home where it all started. Hashtag Bird Gang, I'm back, let's get it. Hashtag 44 take over. End of tweet. Well, I guess that answers that question. He will wear 44 with the Arizona Cardinals as he did when he was drafted by the Cardinals as a second-round draft pick. So we are hearing a little bit from Golden. We also heard from his former teammate, now will be his soon-to-be teammate, Hassan Reddick, who addressed the media on Tuesday, quoting Reddick about Golden, quote, I'm happy to have him back. Golden is relentless. He has a dog mentality. I know he can make an impact right away. End of quotes. There's a lot of familiar faces in that locker room that are going to be happy to not only see, but hear Marcus Golden in that locker room. Oh, listen, I I texted a couple players when the trade went down, and I couldn't tell you how thrilled they were. I mean, it shows the locker room and the fan base that 
they're not settled. I mean, it's difficult to make a trade because we you got to look at okay, Marcus Golden is going to be due 2.4 million. He signed for for a deal for 4 million. The Cardinals had interest in the offseason, but his asking price at the time, and in fairness to him, he felt like he he needed to cash in, but um, to get a Marcus Golden, who he, it's not like we they traded for a guy we don't even know about, and, and that happens. We cover the NFC more than the AFC, even though you got four games again. But this guy, he's just going to walk in the locker room and he's going to feel at home. Yeah, and he 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 put his kids in school in the off season here, so he was he was planning on um, maybe getting back to the desert. But push comes to shove, he took the four million with the Giants, and again. He had 10 sacks, but I just think when you go out and say, hey, we're not satisfied with the roster considering you lose Chandler Jones, and yes, it's by committee, but this guy can help us. He's a plug-and-play guy from day one. Do I know? Do I think he's going to start? I don't think so, just because Reddick and Kennard, uh, I like that one-two punch, but when you know when they're going to go to the bench, he's going to come out, and uh, I just like the, I just love the way he plays. I mean, he doesn't take a down off. He's going to put his face in there. He's not afraid to tackle. So I, I think it's contagious when you bring in a guy that guys are familiar with. It's funny. The two games Chandler Jones has missed, it doesn't seem like they've missed him. And that's that's maybe a little hyperbole as far as his impact on the field. I'm just talking about rushing the quarterback and getting to the quarterback. Now you can make a case that he would certainly help in the run defense because this team right now, as far as allowing rushing yards, number 25 in the league at 131.1. But getting to the quarterback, MJ, this team has 19 sacks with Hassan Reddick leading the way with five. It is a very good pass rushing team. And Reddick addressed that earlier today without number 55, talking about Chandler Jones. Reddick, quote, I'm very impressed, but it's expected. He then added, quote, there can't be no shortage of production in respects to Jones not being on the field. So there is a standard in that locker room that they're hoping to maintain, but it's going to take more than just one guy, and you could rely on a Chandler Jones to get multiple sacks, even though he only had the one this season. But a group effort, a collective effort, that's the kind of what we've been hearing from players since Jones was injured and lost for the season. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we said it at the time. It was going to be a huge loss, but I do like the fact that other guys are stepping up and maybe they don't get those same opportunities because Chandler wasn't coming off the field. And now you got, you know, a good rotation, you know, with a healthy canard, he sets the edge. Reddick is – he's on pace for 10 sacks or, or more this year, and that's that's remarkable considering they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. So I kind of like where they're at, but I do think that secondary, um, once they get Jalen back, and hopefully he comes back, and then you bring back Max Williams, you're basically adding two more starters. And then you throw in Golden, he's probably going to be your first guy coming off the bench as a rotation guy to get to the quarterback. Nothing official with respects to Kenyon Drake, and I'll be honest, Bird Game, we might not know officially until next week when the term comes back off its bye week, but this is what we know right now. One, he went down with an injury at the 412 mark of the fourth quarter, was very emotional, had to be carted off the field, and I'll be honest, MJ, the initial reaction was he's done for the season, whether that was you know a, a broken ankle, leg, or whatever, or a torn MCL or ACL, but I thought the worst. Yet, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter, and he was the first to report this, Drake suffered a slight tear of a ligament in his ankle, and the team is treating the injury as if it were a high ankle sprain. 
he will miss a few weeks. That's the reporting of Adam Schefter. Earlier reports had x-rays being negative, so all good news. High ankle sprains, though, we know can linger. Is it two weeks, three weeks, five weeks, however long, and especially with a running back who needs to move laterally, north-south, cut on a dime, that's, <laughs> that can be problemsome. Maybe Drake winds up on injured reserve. Who knows? But we do know, and I would not expect him to be on the field for that Dolphins game and maybe for a couple of weeks at least. So now we're left to wonder what's next for this team at the running back position. Well, I think they're going to stay in-house. I mean, you know, Eno Benjamin was a late draft pick. He's been inactive this year. When you look at the rotation, Chase Edmonds will be the uh, the bell cow. Cliff did admit that maybe it could be by committee because, you know, Chase Edmonds hasn't carried the load like Kenyon Drake. I think if they can get Kenyon Drake back after the Miami or Buffalo game, uh, that would go a long way. I don't see him put him on short-term IR return unless I don't have all the information. We'll wait for, for next week, and we may not know until we get closer to the Miami game. But I think they can definitely get by with Chase. And then you throw in Jonathan Ward. Now he has really more played on special teams. I like his size. He's similar to Drake. And then DJ Foster, um, a guy that can catch the ball in the backfield. Um, he plays on teams. He dresses on game day when he's active or if he's on the 53-man roster. And then you got Eno Benjamin. But normally the Cardinals dress three running backs. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. But I, I do think Chase Edmonds is going to get every opportunity. And you pointed it out. Maybe they ride the hot hand. I would assume that would be Chase Edmonds in the second half. I'll throw another name out there and maybe more special teams, but DJ Foster, who's on the practice squad. There we go, talking about the practice squad. Players that have been in-house so they know what the offense is. They've been in those meeting rooms. They've been on the practice field. So, yes, you've got Chase Edmonds. You've got Jonathan Ward. You've got Eno Benjamin and DJ Foster. That's four, and I only think they would make a move if there was – another injury much like we saw late last season when Drake was acquired because David Johnson was hurt DJ Foster was hurt and you Chase. and then Chase got hurt that's right I so don't see a move them. was necessitated because of that yeah I don't see him going out and, and signing a guy like just throwing a name out there Alfred Morris or Zach Zenner I, I think again when it comes to this offense you have to be in great shape and you have to know your assignments. And, and it's different than just playing in a, in a West Coast offense or an RPO offense. So I would think they would go in-house when it comes to offense. And I don't think this offense will change if Chase Edmonds becomes your featured back. The the knock on him or the question mark is can he carry the load? I'll say this. He made the start at the New York Giants a year ago, was phenomenal, and any time he's been on the field this season, he's always made a big play, whether it's in the run game or the receiving game. He's always – it just looks a little different, and, yes, they're two different running backs as far as style of runs, Drake and Edmonds, but it is certainly fascinating to watch Edmonds and, then of course, to hear – from the fan base that wanting to see more of number 29. Let's not bury the lead. We didn't include Kyler Murray in the rushing. That's true, yeah. Who? He only has seven rushing touchdowns. He's only averaging 6.7 yards a carry. He's only rushed for 437 yards. And last year, until Drake 
kind of got his traction. Murray led this team in rushing, and it wouldn't surprise me if Drake misses a few games. If he, cre- I mean, he's five twelve to four thirty seven. So let's not bury the lead. Murray is part of this running game. Yeah, he is tied for the lead league with seven rushing touchdowns, and his six point seven yards per carry is number two. How many teams can league. say that? Yeah, and that, that's your quarterback. But it's a big reason why this team is number two and rushing and number three as far as rushing yards per carry. And I think, once again, much like the sacks and the pressures, that's the standard. This team, offensive line, they want to be able to run the football. It doesn't matter who's back there. Find somebody, we'll open up the rushing lanes, and then defenses have to account, to your point, of Kyla Murray, which certainly should help whomever it is, Chase Edmonds, Ward, Benjamin, or Foster, running that football until Kenyon Drake is able to come back. Yeah. So, like I said, uh, you know, Murray's part of the equation. I know we're talking about the running back position because you lose you lose your bell cow. Um, but, I again, I think they would go in-house. But we have to include Murray in there because how, how dual threat he is. And that's part of who he is on game day. I mean, I, I like when he rushes eight to ten times. I really do because he doesn't put himself in harm's way. He knows. And some of those are design runs. It's not just – freelancing and I see something some of it is and that's his improvising and his instincts to make those runs but he is a big part of what they're doing offensively in the running game well how many times did we see this team run the ball against Seattle especially late in games late fourth quarter overtime and how many times do teams actually do that it's usually a passing attack to get the ball into field goal range yet what I've heard now from some national pundits is why don't more teams do what the Cardinals did as far as running the football because you've got the middle of the field wide open. Even if you don't have timeouts, we know that this team, because of Larry Fitzgerald, is great at getting to the line of scrimmage, having the ball spotted, and then spiking the football. And it's just another way for this team to move an additional 10, 15, 20 yards, or in the case on Sunday Night Football, Edmonds had a 32-yard run to get the team into field goal range. And don't forget about the 29-yard run up the middle in the previous games. And see, that's the difference. And and give Drake credit because between his mom and James Saxon and Cliff Kingsbury, he was trying to bounce outside. And when he started running between the tackles, that's when he was getting to the second layer. And that's something we need to see more of because it, it seems like teams know we're going to try to get to the edge and they're they're obviously even on the bubble screens now they're not going to allow it so if you can run up the middle um, that's the fastest way to get north and south to the end zone bird gang it is the bye week so no game this weekend but there is some entertainment for you courtesy the arizona cardinals season three episode six the latest episode of cardinals flight plan it will drop on Saturday, October 31st. It's titled Raising the Bar, and it's a look back at how the season has begun so far. But you can find it on the Arizona Cardinals official YouTube page. Just go to youtube.com slash azcardinals. Again, that is episode six of Cardinals Flight Plan. Those are always fun and entertaining, to say the least. As we continue here on this Tuesday, Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Switching gears just a little bit, I want to talk about Buda Baker, and I know we've been talking a lot about him, and there is a segment of the population around the NFL that may be not too familiar with him just because he didn't have a lot of stats as far as numbers, the polished numbers, if you will, the shiny numbers of interceptions sacks you know he does have the big hits 
But what Buda Baker has now done in a six-game span, or I should say in a six-day span, from Monday night football to Sunday night football, MJ, if you're not familiar with Buda Baker, you are now. Yeah, I think people should have been familiar when he became the highest-paid safety in football, but the first thing they mentioned, he hasn't had an interception. That's always been the knock, yeah. And but watch him play. 15 tackles, tackle for losses, passes defense. And you got to give Vance credit. The fact that he's bringing him off the edge and, and he's so powerful to get to the quarterback, bringing Byron Murphy off the edge, that's how you're, that's how you're incorporating a pass rush. That's how you're incorporating to get the quarterback off his spot. It's not just the front seven. They're doing it with the secondary too. And Buddha's really the head of the class there. No interceptions in his first 50 career games, and he now has an interception each of the last two games. And keep in mind, he is doing this with only nine fingers. He still is wearing that cast on his thumb, yet he's figured out a way to get the football and control the football to come up with his two first interceptions. And as they say, these takeaways, these interceptions, they come in bunches, and now it's almost expected. Yeah. And, um, you know, the fact is, Patrick Peterson, I thought he's put together really good back-to-back games. Um, I was, you know, looking forward to that Cowboys matchup, but obviously Andy Dalton, Amari Cooper did nothing. C.D. Lamb in, in junk time got some catches. And then Michael Gallup, who I was concerned with on the deep ball, he was a non-factor. And then you, you, you go into this game, and, you know, Patrick did a great job on D.K. Metcalf. Obviously, you want more production out of Kirkpatrick on Tyler Lockett. Um, but I think, you know, that secondary, when you can cover like they do, all of a sudden now you get a pass rush from the front seven. So I think it's it's they're in sync from all three levels, D-line, linebacker, and secondary. Monday night football to Sunday night football. A six-day stretch on the national stage, and Buda Baker – Total 21 tackles, two interceptions, one sack, two passes defense, two tackles for loss, two quarterback hits, a forced fumble, and he was named NFC Defensive Player of the Week. And, oh, yeah, he was also named a team captain during this stretch of play. That's impressive by Buda Baker. Yeah, and we know the Cardinals have done a good job when they ID their core moving forward. You don't want this guy to test free agency, and that's the reason why he got the long-term deal. And he's he's one of the best, if not in the in the equation. And uh, last year, I think he showed the nation, uh, considering he was an All-Pro and he got a chance to be a Pro Bowl player. Because when you're All-Pro, I mean, you're talking about both conferences, and there's a lot of good safeties in the National Football League. But him, and the age, 25 years old. Sky's the limit for him. He, I mean, he, he's, he's a guy that can change a game around in a heartbeat. He won't play on primetime all the time, but uh, how about this? I'm going to nickname him Primetime Buddha. I like it. Just by what he has done on the national stage in this week. I mean, Monday night football, Sunday night football, he's been everywhere, and of course he was mic'd up for the Sunday night contest, and there's some great video and some great access on azcardinals.com, especially on the pick six that wasn't a pick six, the 90-yard return, and DK Metcalf catching him from behind. But Buda Baker has certainly risen above a lot of people, and yes, now when you're talking about Pro Bowl, All-Pro, he's in the conversation. And I've even heard, and I believe it was Adam Schefter and Boogum McFarland on Monday Night Countdown, they've thrown... Buda Baker's name into Defensive Player of the Year conversation, and that was after 
his performance on Sunday Night Football. So primetime Buddha. I like it. And we're going to face the Seahawks on Thursday Night Football here, uh, obviously up in Seattle. And if the Cardinals continue to win and they got a bunch of division games uh, late in the year, they could get flexed out for primetime again. Yeah, the primetime flexing begins with, uh, what's that, week 10, November 15th. And the Cardinals right now would be home to the Buffalo Bills at 2.05 in the afternoon. So uh, it could be much like 2015 in which it seemed like every single Sunday the Cardinals were getting flexed into primetime. Yeah, and, and the more games you win, and when we start talking about the MVP of, of the offense, uh, usually you got to win 13 games. I don't think that's the case. If you get to 10 or 11, and he, right now he leads defensive backs or he's tied with defensive back tackles, that puts him in the equation. But you got to win. Yeah, he's got 59 tackles, which is three better than Jeremy Chin as far as defensive backs, to your points. And he's always been in the upper tier when it comes to tackles and just the ferocity he is when he brings the lumber as far as his hits are concerned. So, yes, primetime Buddha. We'll see if it sticks. I mean, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm no Ron Wolfley when it comes to uh, nicknames, but I can assure you this, I'm not coming up with a Japanese fighting fish when I talk about Larry Fitzgerald. <laughs> You know, it's interesting. I'm looking at the uh, defensive player statistics, and, you know, Jalen Smith, they've been on the field. He's got 75 combined tackles. But in order, Buda Baker, 59, Jordan Hicks, 59, and Devontae Campbell, 57. And that's all in the, in the league right now. Well, and keep in mind, Buda Baker has played one less game. Very true. So – he certainly would be much higher on that list and maybe even leading the league or maybe not. I mean, 75 tackles is, is pretty high, but still that's, you're talking about someone who you probably don't want your safety high, but we know that Buddha is closer to the line of scrimmage than many safeties. Well, you look here at tackle for loss 24, um, you know, when it comes to, you know, forcing fumbles or just, you know, being around the ball. I mean, he's, he's been very active and, and again, I, um, I know the Cardinals loved him in the draft by moving up. And, and last week it was fascinating because, you know, Cardinals are getting criticized for not drafting D.K. Metcalf and taking Andy Isabella. Uh, but they also took Malik McDowell, who's in prison right now. So it's easy to do that. It's hindsight. Uh, I think the Cardinals are thrilled that they took Buda Baker where they did. And I'm sure a lot of GMs are going back to their draft board saying, why didn't we have a higher grade on him? Yeah, it was a big hit for the Arizona Cardinals, and he continues to just time in and time again live up to everything that he has received and even exceeding now because you can make a case that he's underpaid despite being the highest-paid safety in the game. Yeah, that's just a number. Like Humphreys was in the top five, and now he's probably between seven and ten. That's just the market. Somebody else who signs next will, will jump that. Um but he's a very likable guy. I mean, it's not like this guy, he's got the smile on his face. He plays with a lot of energy. I mean, we always say if you had 53 Buda Bakers, you'd be a much better team. And, you know, sometimes if you have 53 Dennis Gardex, you'd have a good team. But I don't think they'd be as talented. Um, but Buda, the way he plays is it's contagious. And whether it doesn't just have to be on defense, it's on offense because guys want to flash like him. Bird Gang, update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app 
for more. It is a Tuesday here on Cardinals Covered 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And on Tuesdays, we kind of do a tour of the NFC West. How did the rest of the division fare during week seven? Well, it was a lot of primetime action because the Seahawks on Sunday night football, the Rams on Monday night football. But we know about the Seahawks. We'll save them for last. How about we go bottom to top? And right now, despite a 4-3 and three record, 1-1 one and one within the division, the San Francisco 49ers are dead last in the NFC West, although they are the ninth seed when you look at the entire conference as a whole. They won at New England. The 49ers did 33-6, handing the Patriots their worst home loss since Bill Belichick took over as head coach in 2000. The 49ers' second straight win since that home loss to the Dolphins in which everyone started to bury this team, MJ. And now you look at them, they're a game above 500 and will travel to Seattle the second of two straight on the road this coming week. Well, they've been definitely hit with the injury bug. You know, the Cardinals caught a break, um, you know, uh, in week one. No Brandon Ayuk, no Debo Samuel. Um, and then, you know, the situation with uh, Bosa, he's out for the season. But, you know, they survived it. And there was talk about Nick Mullins possibly taking over, and that was short-lived. And, you know, Garoppolo's the guy, and we'll see what happens in the offseason. But, you know, I think Kyle Shanahan – he gets his team ready to play. I know, I know they went to New York and played the Jets and Giants, and those games weren't close, and I know those aren't great opponents that are not winning a lot of games, but I, I would not uh, throw dirt on the 49ers. I, 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 clearly, they're not going to go 13-3. and three. They're not going to be the number one seed. They're trying to fight for a, a playoff berth, but I think they have the roster to be in that conversation in December. Well, it's a rotation, and it's a rotating injured reserve list because as – Tevin Coleman and Jimmy Ward might be able to play this week. News is that Jeff Wilson, who had three touchdowns in that game against the Patriots and over 100 rushing yards, he suffered a high ankle sprain and likely headed to injured reserve. Raheem Mostert is already on IR, and they also lost wide receiver Debo Samuel because of a hamstring injury. So it's it's amazing the number of injuries that this team has sustained, not all serious, but you know, two, three, four-week stretches, yet the guys that have been plugged in to replace them do well, and then they get hurt. Yeah, and the thing about the Niners, you mentioned they're 4-3. and three. They're 1-1 one and one in the division. However, they're only 2-2 two and two in the conference. So, you know, the Cardinals have played six conference games. They only played four. That could help them in the long run when it comes to tiebreakers. And remember what we talked about here a couple of weeks back, that seven-game stretch, Rams, Patriots, Seahawks, Packers, Saints, Rams, and Bills. Right now the 49ers are 2-0, and beating the Rams, winning at the Patriots, and as we mentioned, they'll travel to Seattle this coming week. But – that seven-game stretch, I know a lot of people covering the 49ers that that would be defining this season. And if you stumble out of the gate, you know, all of a sudden you're looking up because you can't fall too far behind. But right now, an impressive win against the Rams and then winning in New England despite their struggles, that is still a tough road trip, especially for a West Coast team. Yeah, I guess we'll find out what the record is in December because the Cardinals, you know, they're, they're going to get a chance to play them. But when you look at it overall – one thing that's surprising about the Niners when you start looking at the schedule from a standpoint of is their home record, 1-3, and three, and they're 3-0 and oh on the road. Well, two of those wins yeah, against, against the, the Giants, Giants and Giants. Giants. Yes. But, I mean, you still got to play the games. Hopefully the Cardinals do the same thing, taking care of business they did against the Jets, and they'll play the Giants late in the year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Rams are 3-0 and oh at home. 
They're two and two on the road. Cardinals are two and one at home, three and one on the road. They, the Cardinals have the longest winning streak in the West. And as for Seattle, they're three and zero at home and now two and one, and they have their first loss of the season. Well, let's touch on the Rams, who got their third win at home on Monday Night Football, beating the Bears twenty-four to ten. I found this interesting. That was their first win against a team with a winning record. They're five and two, yet they only have one win against a team with a winning record. Where was all the conversation about who did the Rams beat? Much like people focused on the Cardinals, who did you beat? Yet the Rams are the Rams because maybe they have a little bit more higher profile than the Cardinals at the moment. But they have now held opponents to 10 points or fewer in their last three wins and looked nothing like the team a week prior when they were uh, beaten by the 49ers 24-16. And they lost a close game in Buffalo. They were down in that game, and, and they ended up losing that game. And if you look at strength of schedule for the remaining of the season, the Rams have the easiest schedule. They play Miami on the road this week. That's a long road trip. They have a bye in Week 9. They play the Seahawks at home. They're at Tampa, San Francisco, at Arizona. Then they get New England and the New York Jets. And then they finish out with Seattle and Arizona. But on paper, they have the easiest schedule, Arizona 27th, San Francisco 28th. And then you look at uh, Seattle at number 20. So not at the top. Uh, you look at the AFC, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, um, Baltimore, Houston, they got the toughest schedules. And unfortunately, some of those teams don't have a lot of wins. And the storyline this week when they go to Miami to play the Dolphins, Tua Tungavaloa with his first career start. So not a lot of talk probably about the Rams. It's all going to be about Tua time. But I'll go back to what happened on Monday Night Football. And Aaron Donald, leading into that contest, called his team out, called his team soft. And the defense responded with 49 rushing yards allowed, two interceptions, four sacks, two by Leonard Floyd, and the 10 points by the Bears was a season low for Chicago. Aaron Donald speaks. You damn well better listen, and his teammates did. Yeah, and when he talks, I mean, to mention the word soft, you, you don't think of Aaron Donald, but that's that's how he's the way of him calling out his teammates. Because at the end of the day, we always talk about football is about blocking and tackling. It's about physicality, manning your will on another person, and in this case, another football player. Well, that label of soft, that's a four-letter word in professional football. Yeah, but I'm glad it wasn't an anonymous source. It came from the guy that has the credentials, he has the skins on the wall, and if you don't listen to him, that's on you. Rams 5-2, and two, just like the Cardinals, although the Cardinals have the tiebreaker because they are 2-0 and oh in the division. The Rams are 0-1 oh in the division. Right now, Cardinals and Rams 6-7 as far as the seeding is concerned within the NFC. Seattle 5-1. and one. They suffered their first loss, obviously, on Sunday Night Football to the Cardinals. They are the two-seed right now with that 5-1 and one record. Russell Wilson, after that ball game on Sunday, quote, I have to be better. He fell on the sword and probably rightfully so because he hadn't thrown multiple interceptions in a regular season game since the 2018 opener and he had three and that matched his total from all of previous games leading up to that contest on Sunday. You're looking at Seattle's schedule Craig they uh, they have San Francisco this week at home then they go to Buffalo long trip then they play the Rams on the road Arizona at Philly which is winnable Giants winnable New York Jets winnable Washington winnable, and they finish out with the Rams. 
And Jamal Adams is expected to return this week against the 49ers. So that's good news for a team that is not going anywhere despite what happened at State Farm Stadium on Sunday. Yeah, and the Cardinals caught a break there with no Jamal Adams, and just like the the Seahawks caught a break without Chandler Jones. But Jamal Adams, I think they're doing the right thing. They need him more in December, in November and December, and hopefully for them, if they get to win the division, they'll be playing in January. They do have, talking about the Seahawks, a running back issue at the moment. Chris Carson, week to week with a midfoot sprain, played only 15 snaps Sunday night before getting hurt, and Carlos Hyde is dealing with hamstring tightness, so I don't know right now what the Seahawks plan to do because it is more difficult to bring someone in off the street during these times because of the five-day COVID testing window that teams or players have to go through. So is there someone already on the roster, someone already on the practice squad? But that is something, you know, we always talk about positions that seem to get hit harder when it comes to injuries. And right now it's the Seahawks running backs room. Yeah, but, you know, they, they went into the season running back by committee uh, I like the Carlos Hyde pickup. I think he runs hard. Obviously, Chris Carson is the guy, and he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. And Russell Wilson's not running as much, and that's why he's probably thrown 22 touchdowns and now six interceptions where you know he, they're throwing the ball more versus running. And again, their offensive line suspect, but Russell Wilson covers a lot of those blemishes. Uh, because he's so active on the outside of the pocket. Well, he was the team's leading rusher against the Cardinals, but that was more out of necessity because he had no one to throw to. So great coverage, and it's just unfortunate that the middle of the field was open or he was able to bounce it to the outside. And that's the the frustrating part of a defense, especially when you've got good coverage and all of a sudden your quarterback, who's capable of breaking off a long run like Wilson is, and then all of a sudden what you thought would maybe be an incomplete pass or uh, no no gain on the play, and all of a sudden he's got nine yards, ten yards, and moving the chains. Yeah, I think it's safe to say, though, if they don't force those three turnovers, I don't know if the Cardinals win. Obviously it came down to overtime, so that was toe-to-toe, but um, we, we talked about the Cardinals in the second half outscoring them 20-7 to when they were down by 10, so you could see they made some adjustments, and they confused, and Russell Wilson did make some mistakes in that game you normally don't see from him. Yeah, the best way to beat Russell Wilson, don't allow him on the football field. Yeah, or have him throw the ball when he doesn't want to because usually they got guys wide open sometimes because he holds the ball so long and you can't expect your secondary to plaster coverage for four or five, six seconds. So uh, you could see why they were throwing the ball as much as they have um, considering how what their record was. Seahawks, Cardinals, Rams, 49ers, that's the order within the NFC West, which collectively, how about this, through seven weeks, 19-8, and eight, as a division and it's going to change because they're going to beat each other up and uh, we talked about the Cardinals already two division wins we're going to get greedy here we want three or four and if you win them then we'll worry about the rest because we know in week 16 and 17 it's going to come down to division games Bird Gang, subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Listen to your favorite shows on the go like Cardinals Underground, The Big Red Rage, The Cardinals Red Sea Report, and, of course, this show, Cardinals Cover 2. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. That's going to put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 here on a Tuesday. Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Special thanks, as always, to our executive producer, Jim Almohandro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.